Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of the, the scripture metaphors that we hear are, are much more familiar to our modern ears than others, I expect. So, for example, we 21st century Americans aren't typically familiar with first century Middle Eastern shepherding practices. Is that correct? How many of you like today, if you got called up to this, like draft or something, like you could go over to the Middle East and handle shepherding right now? Okay, that's kind of what I thought. Okay, one person. All right, well... It's possible. It's possible. Um, like, we're just generally not familiar with that kind of stuff, right? How many of you could go over there and handle, like, olive harvesting and processing and all of that? Not, yeah, okay. That's what I thought, right? I mean, what about, I mean, are, how familiar are you with the, the wedding practices of first century Middle Eastern culture? Believe it or not, you've actually heard some of those in the scriptures, and so sometimes we like study those a little more deeply, and, and these are all different metaphors that we use, but we have to go do that. We have to go study them and understand like, well, what did they do? How do they do it now? How does that compare to how they did it then? And, and maybe we can then learn more from those things. Thankfully, not all of the metaphors in the scriptures are like that. The, the metaphor that we have in Hebrews 3 is much simpler, it's what I'm going to just call a, a timeless metaphor. And that's just very simply building a house. Much more familiar to us. Here again, Hebrews 3. We're just looking at verses 3 and 4. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So that's the, the key statement right there. Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. And then here's the comparison, the image that's built. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Then we have the statement, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, after living here for 13 months, almost 13 full months, I can thankfully and finally say that we were able to purchase a house. And it actually just happened two days ago that we finally closed on a house. Well, thank God for that. And I, I bring that up partly to say, again, thank God for that. But thank you for those of you who helped us in this search. I mean, 13 months is a long time to look for a house. Um, but thankfully, what ended up happening is we actually just found the house that we already found. In other words, we bought the house that we've been renting for a year. We found it 13 months ago. We just didn't realize it. Um, but many of you along the way, you know, you like send us a text like, hey, did you see the house on whatever road? And send us a you know, Facebook message. Hey, did you see the listing for this house? And generally our answer back was, yeah, we already saw that. We might have even already visited it and just decided, well, it wasn't going to work quite right for us. But let me tell you very quickly about the house that we've found over a year ago. <laughs> It's a, it's a beautiful stone house just on the east side of town. It's, it's very strong. It's very sturdy, thankfully. Um, it's very well insulated. That's something that the owner had told us uh, early on, and, and we witnessed that, you know, experienced that ourselves. It's very well insulated. Those of you who have well insulated houses, or maybe I should say those of you who haven't lived in a well insulated house, you know the difference that that makes, right, through the winter and in the summer. Our house has been well maintained. It thankfully works well for our size of family, and we're thankful to God for that. Now, I'm not bringing this up to, to brag about this in any way and not just, you know, for the heck of telling you, you know, uh, you know the, hey, we got a house finally. 
I'd like you to think about this. It actually fits in with today's message, our theme here. That house that we just closed on two days ago, it didn't build itself. It didn't come into existence out of nowhere or by its own will, did it? No, you can answer back. Like, I, I asked everyone else this too. I'm like, this didn't build itself, right? And everyone's like, Pastor Brad said, it's probably the uh, Autofest air that, that you know, has us all a little uh, comatose or something right now. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but like that house didn't come into existence by itself, right? I mean, it, it can't, right? It has no will of its own. It doesn't have any capability of bringing itself into existence. It had a designer, right? It had a builder. And the, the picture here in Hebrews 3 is that the designer gets the credit for the design, right? The designer is the one who came up with the interior flow of the house and, and chose the colors and all that kind of stuff. The house gets no credit itself. It's the designer. Similarly, the builder is the one who gets the credit for the construction of the house, right? The stability of it, the quality of the materials that were selected to go into it and so on. The house itself gets no credit for that. It's the designer and it's the builder. In the same way, we're told, Jesus is to be given far more glory for all that he has done than Moses, certainly, and obviously than any other human who's lived. See, if you're a, a first century Christian who hears this letter that we call the letter to the Hebrews, you're probably pretty familiar with Moses and you think Moses is a pretty cool guy. And he is. I mean, think about this. You've heard these stories generally too, I expect. Moses led God's people out of slavery, right? We hear that over and over. We hear that story because it's such a pivotal story for God's salvation history, his work of salvation. Moses led God's people through the wilderness for 40 years. He delivered God's Torah, his instruction, all of his instruction, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of God's instruction. And he did that faithfully. But Moses was still just a sinful human being, just like you and I are. Jesus, on the other hand, built everything that exists. Quite literally, think about that. Jesus literally built everything that exists. And when he built it, it was amazing. Sin corrupted that. And yet, Jesus then took on human flesh. The Son of God, who was also the Son of Man, took that human flesh and all of his godness to the cross and died for us. Jesus gets all of the glory because he paid for all of our sin. He did what no one else could possibly do and lay down his life for us. He is worthy of all our praise. He alone gets all the glory. That's the image that's painted right there in those few verses. And it's with all of that and that statement that we have there that God is the builder of all things that we have our theme for this week, for the next few weeks 
Uh, we're going to have this as a sermon series for the next few weeks. And also then, it is the theme for our school year, Under Construction. I don't know if we've had that um, logo up here, but we've had it in the school. Maybe you've seen it in the hallways. Under Construction. So that's going to be our sermon theme for the next few years. Or not next few years. Woo! <laughs> It's actually a big enough thing that we could do that, but no, we're sparing you. Four weeks, that's it. All right, school year, four weeks, four parts. Here's what they are. This is a picture of the Christian life under construction. It's a picture of the Christian life. Demolition is the first thing that happens on any construction site. I'm gonna come back to that. That's our theme for today. And then after that demolition process, there's other preparing, preparation work that needs to be done. Then there's the, the construction itself that you actually see. And then finally, there is the completion of all of that work. That's going to be the four different weeks coming up. And we've split up the school year for our chapel messages too, to touch on all of those things. So today, demolition. And I'd like you again to maybe go back to my home Maybe go back to the, the construction site of the church 140 years ago, or this construction site here not too many years ago, right? The first phase of work, like I said, that has to take place on any construction site is demolition. You got to clear out the trees. Maybe you need to clear out the old buildings that are there. Whatever the unsuitable terrain is there, you got to get that leveled out. Or maybe you need to create some high spots and low spots to get exactly what you want for what you're going to build. But whatever is undesirable for the work that has been planned, it has to be demolished. It has to be cleared out completely. Think about the Christian life. The life of every Christian begins in a particular way, and we should never forget this. The life of not only every Christian, but every human begins, our existence itself begins with us as enemies of God. Don't forget that. In other words, we want nothing to do with God. We hate him. We don't seek him at all. That's how we begin. Completely sinful, completely broken, not up to specifications at all by our original design. We begin a total mess. And I don't know how you respond to that kind of a statement or thought, but I know that when I say that, that it is, it is entirely contrary to our 21st century American cultural worldview. For example, how many of you are familiar with the song uh, by Luke Bryan, Most People Are Good? How many of you know that one? You know, I believe most people are good, right? I heard that on the radio. I've heard it plenty of times on there. And I agree with some of the, the things that he says in that song. Some of them I'm like, okay, maybe not, but whatever. But the sad fact is, the first time I even heard that song, I thought, no. The title, the, the, the main premise, I believe most people are good, is completely wrong. It's, it's just simply not true. Jesus himself said this. He says, no one is good except God alone. And again, that 
presses against our cultural worldview, but hear it again. Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. I don't really like thinking that, but it's true. I don't like thinking about it about myself. I don't like thinking about it about y'all either, but it's true. From the day Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sin has infected and corrupted our very human nature. And every one of us was conceived, every one of us came into existence again with this corrupted human nature. Think about it this way. When you get a viral infection, there are typical symptoms that you will experience, right? Fever, fatigue, maybe body aches, different things like that, right? Those are the symptoms of the infection. The symptoms of this sinful nature are things like sickness itself. Things like minds and bodies that don't work as God has designed or intended them to be. Things like the fact that, that we do things that are against God's design and intent for our lives. Even death itself is a symptom of this broken, corrupt, sinful human nature. But when you get a viral infection, what do you do? I mean, you, you take some medicine to try to treat the symptoms, right? You maybe take some Tylenol to bring your fever down or to alleviate some of the body aches and things, right? But that's not actually dealing with the infection itself. It's not actually dealing with the virus itself. In the same way, we can't cure our sinful nature simply by being good or anything else, really. What has to happen is that in the construction zone of our lives, God must come in and do his demolition work. See, that construction side of my house or of the WEC here, it, it wasn't able to prepare itself even for the work to be done. It can't do that. I can't prepare myself either. I can't do that demolition work. God alone can demolish every last bit of sinful, hateful, evil junk that is in me, that's in you, so that he can build what needs to be there instead. Again, we often want to ignore or deny this depressing truth of how we begin our existence. And fellow humans have, have tried to de deny and ignore that and forget about it all along. Again, we think most people are good, right? Including ourselves. Sometimes we give the devil way too much credit for the sin in our lives. We don't really give ourselves enough credit. But God continuously sends messengers to remind us to call us back to him for the mercy and the grace that we so desperately need. Ezekiel is an example of that in our Old Testament reading today. Ezekiel was called by God to go speak to his people. 
And in verse 7, we actually heard God speaking to Ezekiel himself. And he says, so you, son of man, I have set a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. In other words, whatever God spoke to Ezekiel, he was supposed to deliver that message to God's people, regardless of how they would react, regardless of whether or not they would repent. And as you look through the book of Ezekiel, you see that sometimes those messages were messages of judgment. Sometimes they were messages of promise. But they were always messages that reflected God's justice, his faithfulness, his love for his people and for for all humankind. And in verse 11, we hear this beautiful statement that gets at the very heart, the very character, even, even the very nature of God himself. So with this human nature that is so corrupt and broken in mind, listen to what this tells us about the nature of God. He says, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. God does not take pleasure in the wicked dying in their sin. I mean, in a way he could if he wanted, I suppose. Like he could say, yep, that's what you deserve. That's what you get. That's fine with me. I'm happy with it because that's just the way things are. But he doesn't. He doesn't delight in us dying in our sin. What he delights in is that we turn. And we go to him. But the only way that we are freed from this sinful nature, that we can even turn to him in the first place, the only way that we are freed from all of the sin that entangles who we are and what we do is to have God come in, to have God set us free. It's all about him the master architect. It's all about his demolition work in our lives as he begins this construction process in each of us. And what you're going to hear then over the next few weeks is, is the rest of that construction story. That after he has come in and demolished that human nature that is broken and corrupted and sinful... He then lays the groundwork. He prepares the groundwork. And then he builds us up, builds us up as the body of believers, as the church, the house that is God's house. That's the rest of what's said in Hebrews 3, as we heard today. And how he's going to then complete that work in each of us. What a beautiful message that we are, in fact, under construction. Thank God that he has come into your life, that he has come into mine and demolished that sinful human nature so that he can rebuild us. Give God the glory for that. It's all for Jesus' sake. It's all in his name. And together we say, amen.